Man, I am so glad that you are here this morning. And Jericho, all I can say is you married him, girl. I mean, I'm just, that's all I can say about that. Good stuff. Hey, open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke this morning. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number five. And we're going to start in verse number 17 in a new series called Flip Flop today. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you from the beginning, if you have not downloaded the notes, go to the app and download the notes because I am going to get nowhere close to finish with this message today. I'm just going to tell you up front, I usually have about a, a page and a quarter of notes, and I usually run over on my time frame with that. This is a three-page outline, so I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to get done. And I didn't finish first service, and I probably won't finish this service, so you can go finish it yourself when you read the notes and see what God's going to say to you about it. And so, hey, real quick, before we get started, can, can we do something uh, real kingdom-minded? Um, First Baptist Church in Sulphur Springs is bringing in a guy to see if he's going to be their new pastor. Can we just lift up First Baptist Church real quick? Can, can we lift them up in prayer? So bow with me if you don't mind just for a second. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we pray that Matthew 6, 10, and 11 occur right now for, for one of our sister churches here in town, First Baptist Church, Sulphur Springs. And we pray that your kingdom come and your will would be done right here on earth as you've already ordained it in heaven. And so God, as they're making big decisions today, we pray that they would make your decision, that they would hear your voice and that they would follow after you with all their heart. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And we go ahead and give you a hand clap of praise by faith, knowing that you're going to answer those prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I love what God is doing with our community of churches here at TWBC, and so we always want to lift up other churches in prayer. Um, when you found in your Bible the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 5, like we said, we're in a sermon series that we're going to kick off today called Flip Flop. And so what this is going to be about, it's not because I love summer, it's actually about one of the crazy trends that are going on in the American culture today, and it's flipping houses. And this is going to be where we go through a series where we pick out a flop of a situation that Jesus walks on the scene, and he flips it right side up and makes it something awesome. And so I want to talk to you real quick about what, what God wants to begin to do in your life. He wants to take the flop of your situation, whatever it may be, and he wants to begin to flip it around and begin to show you his glory in the midst of even some of the worst things that can go on in your life. And so Jesus does this all throughout Scripture. He walks into the flop of a situation and he flips it. <clears throat> so the impact of this series is for us to get the eyes of Jesus and the heart of Jesus to see what Jesus sees and feel what Jesus feels so we can do the work that Jesus did and begin to turn flip flop of a situation and flip it around to make it an amazing situation. But if we do not see what Jesus sees, we'll never flip the flops that God has called us to flip right here in our own community. We'll never be able to walk out the doors and flip the poverty situation to a, a generosity situation if we don't have the eyes of Jesus to see it. If we don't have the heart of Jesus to feel compassion for the people who are in poverty in our area, then we'll never have the ability to flip the situation. Many times Jesus flipped a flop by being moved by compassion. Compassion is the ability to see a need, and when you see a need, not just address it, but have the, 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 the actual authority within you to fix the situation. You can have sympathy about a situation and agree with the problem, or you can have compassion about a situation and flip the flop. And so we need to have eyes to see what Jesus sees and a heart to see or feel what Jesus feels so we can begin to flip the flops of situations right here in our own community. And so with that, I want to encourage you in this series, there's something that happens when you, everybody say me, when you flip it. There's something that happens in your life when you 
flip it. You move from a theology to an authority. And God is, is constantly working to get you out of theology and into authority. And what I mean by that, if you've gone through a certain experience in your life, uh, I went over to, to one of our church members' house yesterday, and I'm still sore from the workout that he made me do yesterday. But they were in the middle of a, a house renovation. And can I tell you, he has an authority now that he didn't have before he started the renovation. Because when you go through it, you learn all the aspects of it, and you have an authority about it that somebody who's never done it doesn't really have. I know we got one of the gentlemen right over here, uh, Mr. Jennings. He does this all the time with houses. He's got an authority that Pastor Joel doesn't have. He's probably got an ability and an eyesight to see something in a house that I would bring a match to, he would bring a hammer to, right? Because if it's falling down and dilapidated, I'm like, baby, just get a match and let's burn the sucker down and rebuild. He's got the ability to see something in it to fix it and renovate it and not just fix it and renovate it, but make a profit at it. God wants to do the same thing with his kingdom. He wants to give us a, a, an authority to fix it, to renovate it, and profit his kingdom with it. And so we want you, me, all of us to not just do what uh, not just know a bunch of stuff about the bible but walk in an authority that only comes from jesus christ because we've been with him long enough that we've understood his authority and he flips it and he uses us to begin to flip it this is why jesus when he left the earth empowered the disciples with the holy spirit and he said go make disciples of all nations flip the world that's upside down right side up and so our goal, our heart for this whole series is to get the church not just living in a place of theology, not just living in a place of knowledge that you know of something, but living in a place of authority that you can actually do something about it. And the church by and large today, the biggest flop in the church, especially in the United States because information is so easily accessible, we got a large amount of theology, but we're operating in very little authority. Well, we want to flip it. Amen. Come on. One person wants to flip it. No, I want you to operate in an authority, not just a theology, because I want your authority to prove your theology, not your theology to try and prove your authority. See, I don't really care how much you know. Show me what you can do. Right? I'm just going to leave this one point alone. So I'm just going to skip it and bypass it, right? Here's the deal. There's a lot of people in the room who you've grown up listening to Bible stories and will sing songs about slaying giants, but you've never slayed one. So you only have a theology of something, you don't have an authority in it. David gained an authority by slaying Goliath, not by talking to Goliath, Amen. right? And I'm telling you, when we sang that chorus, and I just may not even get to my notes in this message, but when we sang that chorus this morning, when you walk out of the grave I'm walking to, I literally saw it. If you'll grab a hold of it, God is trying to walk some people out of depression this morning. And there's about 20 people in the house that God is trying to walk you out of depression this morning. And when he walked out of the grave and left depression in the grave, he's trying to walk you out of the grave of depression as well. And I'm also, I'll just, I'm just going to go down this line for a minute, okay? Um... Whenever you flip a house, you expose a lot of stuff. And some of you, you've been in a season where God has exposed some things. Okay? And I'm looking at you on purpose, right? I'm not going to call your name. But he's exposed some things because he wants to put something new in its place. 
It wasn't because of your detriment. He wasn't ever trying to hurt you in the process. And, God, and, and as he's exposed some things, he's going to replace it with new and better things. So get ready for a new season that's coming into your life. Okay? Um, to, to, to the family, to the friend that, that I went and worked out at your house yesterday, right? I'm not going to stare at you. I'm just going to look at the screen. You're, you're, you've just come through a crazy season in your life. And God says, just like he, you're renovating your, your natural house, he's renovating your spiritual house. And when it gets done, it's going to be so much better than, than your natural house ever was, than, than the first house you came out of. But, but in the renovation, I know there's some things he's pulling out, and he's only pulling them out so he can put some new stuff back in. Because you never renovate a house and, and pull the old stuff out and put the old stuff back in. When you renovate the house, you pull the old stuff out so he can put a lot of new stuff back in. And just like you're getting new doors in your house, he's going to put new doors in your life that you're fixing to walk through. And the one big door that you're replacing, your garage door uh, in your life, he said, I got a really big door that I'm going to open for you. And so, so I just want to encourage you in that. And so I'm purposely not staring at them for, for a reason. Uh, but I love you. I just want you to know I love you. And, and I'm so grateful for what God's doing in your life. And I'm just going to tell you, hold on, because renovations don't last forever. Renovations don't last forever. And he's wanting to, to repair some things in, in, in areas of your heart. And, and for Americo, from you guys all the way on down, I'm just going to tell you, uh, he's got something great that he's fixing to flip to a good way in your family's life. All the way down. I just felt it. Right when I walked in, before we even sang that song, I walked in and God's like, I'm fixing to just flip their world right side up. And so... And that doesn't mean chaos and catastrophe on stuff, okay? It means he's, he's got the ability to flip it, and it's going to be normal, the, the flip that he's doing in your life. And, and so, so be encouraged. Now I'm going to get to my message, I promise. Um, and so, uh, so the title of this message um, in the series that we're in called Flip Flop is going to be called the Capernaum Flip. You know, in any good house flipping show, they always name the house that they're wanting to buy to flip. And so we're going to name this house, the, 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 we're going to name this flip the Capernaum flip because that's where it takes place. It takes place in the city of Capernaum. And so Luke chapter number five, verse number 17 is where we're going to start this thing off. Now, this is the story that's also in the gospel of Mark and it's also in the gospel of Matthew. And if you download my notes, I got all three accounts in there. We're just going to stick with the Luke version of the account. The rest of it is for your study purposes when you, go, when you go home today and tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week. But when we do this, this is the story where the four men bring the paralytic on a mat and they couldn't get into the house because there were so many people. So they, so they had to go on top of the house and dig a hole in the roof and they lower him before Jesus. And this is the story of that account. And it says, On one of those days, as he, Jesus, was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and this is, this is key, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. I'm so excited about Upper Room this coming Saturday night because the power of the Lord is going to be here to heal, but not just heal, but to activate you to leave here and go out and flip your world right side up with the healing power of God. Amen? So, so this Saturday, it's not just about you coming and getting a healed bro healing from a broken heart or a broken hand or a broken foot or a broken mindset. It's about you getting a healing, but you being activated to also go and deliver the same kind of healing. And so we always want to bring a gospel presentation that's practical, holy, and deliverable. So it's awesome when it practically applies to you and you get healed. It's awesome that it's holy because it's the holiness and the power of God that's going to change your life. But I want you to just not just get healing, but walk in an authority of it where you can go be a healer of people. 
because of the power of Jesus Christ in your life. And, and, and we do believe in miraculous healing. We believe in divine healing. And we also believe in uh, progressional healing where God walks you out of situations as well. And so be here this Saturday night. Upper room's going to be right here in the auditorium because we believe for a, a great crowd also. But um, we don't want you literally having to carry people upstairs on a blanket if they need healing and can't walk in. So we're going to keep it downstairs in an intimate setting here where, where that happens. And so, and the power of the Lord was with them to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the great crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down, uh, and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, in the, perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts, which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose from before them and picked up what he had been laying on and went on home glorifying God. And amazement seized all of them. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary or extraordinary things today. And so I believe that God wants to show us something awesome in this scripture, how he flips the flop of a situation that was there. And so as we kick this thing off, the scene of the flop, Capernaum. In seminary, they, they, they taught us that this was Jesus' ministry headquarters. Uh, most of the miracles Jesus did was in this area of Capernaum, and it was a small town of about 1,500 people. And like any good house-flipping show, whether it's if you like Chip and Joanne or you like Property Brothers or whichever ones that you guys like, I don't really like any of them, but my wife, wife loves all of them, right? And, and, and I realized the anxious or the, the pain I put my wife in every college football season because I'll turn on a college football game, and I really don't have to be watching it. I just like the noise in the background, you know, and we'll be cleaning the house and doing laundry and stuff, and I'll just let it play all day, and it drives her bonkers. Like, she'll go in the bedroom and put on Hallmark, and, and I'm like, why does that bother you? It's not until I realized what it did to her on the inside when I understood it when she puts Property Brothers and Chip and Joanne on all day. I'm like, ah, oh, this is so annoying. Right? It drives me nuts. And she just will go around the house doing all the work and really not want, but, but it's, it's her noise in the background. And, and so, honey, I ask for your forgiveness for all of college football season, but it is coming up right around the corner. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So like any good house flipping show, the house that they're in in Capernaum, they're not like houses in America. It's literally about the size of classroom number five that only about 50 people can fit in. And a big house had two rooms with a dividing wall right in the middle. And it's basically open common spaces. And so a smaller house would just be a one-room house. And the houses that they would build would just be, uh, that would be considered a big house uh, if it was classroom five. So it would be probably like 20 feet wide by 30 feet long, 40 feet long at the most. And then they would have, for the roof, they would get branches and they would coat mud on the branches and stick them together. And it would become strong enough where they could actually sleep on top. But over time, after the weather would come, they would wear and so they would have to redo the roof every couple of years. And so this is the roof that the four men made their way to the top of and began to dig a hole through to lower the man before Jesus. 
And so Jesus is about to flip somebody's scenario right here at this house. And so the major flop of the house wasn't the house itself, but it was the people who were sitting at the feet of Jesus in the house. And the Bible says this at the very beginning. It says, on those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was with him to heal it wasn't just with them to heal the paralytic it was with them to heal the hearts of the Pharisees as well the problem with it is is the very people who should have been doing the healing were blocking the man from coming to the authority who could actually heal him and I'm going to ask you if you'll check your heart just for a minute what pharisaical thing in your heart is stopping you from coming to the only authority that can heal you of what you're broken of? What's in your heart this morning? Now, we like to judge everybody else's heart. But I'm asking you to look at your own heart and look at the issues of your own life just for a minute. What thing is in your heart that is standing between the authority that has the healing power and the broken thing in your life that you're trying to get to him what is the thing the the, the thing stopping it now listen the sadducees were the teachers of the law and so they too they had the theology of healing but they didn't have the authority of healing jesus possessed the authority of healing and he proved out his authority by how, or he proved out his theology by the way he used his authority the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, only had a theology of healing but no authority. Therefore, they were actually stopping the man who needed the healing from getting to the one who had the authority of the healing. The Pharisees are the enforcers of the law. So you have the Sadducees who would teach everybody what the law said. You had the Pharisees who were the enforcers. They were the holiness police, right? They were the ones who, when in the Old Testament, when a man was picking up sticks on the Sabbath day... They said, you're breaking the law, and they stoned him for picking up sticks, for raking leaves, basically. So just, I'm glad we got a leaf blower today, right? Amen. Hallelujah. They stoned him, so they were the holiness police. And I'm asking you this morning, are you in sitting in this house this day, today with the power of Jesus to heal a broken heart and a broken hand and a broken mind and everything else. And I want to ask you two questions. What in your heart is stopping you from getting your brokenness to the authority that can heal? Or what are you doing sitting here in this service? And are you, because of your mindset and the way you're being the holiness police, stopping somebody else from coming to a place of authority and healing? See, we don't like to think like this. We don't like to ever think that we're the problem. It's like when Jesus said, hey, a man went to sow seed and some fell on the rocky soil, some fell on the, the pathway, some were, um, fell in, in, the, in the, the, the briars and, and they didn't grow, but the, then you had some on good soil. I was like, yeah, that's me. I'm the good soil. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm just telling you. We all got stones in our heart that need to be pulled out. We all got briars in our life that, that we need, we, we need the Jesus to come and, and begin to remove out of our life. 
to make us that fertile soil. Hey, th- th- I'm, not preaching, I'm not preaching at you today. I'm talking to myself as well. And this is like, even before the service this morning, I was like, God, is there anything in my heart that is going to stop somebody from coming into your presence today? Whatever that is, if I am going to be a hindrance to somebody in any way, Father God, forgive me, number one, but God, begin to remove out of my life what would be hindering somebody from coming to a place of authority in you when they have a brokenness that needs to reach you. And listen, guys, this is something we all ought to do every time we walk into the house. Oh, God, test me. Know my heart. It's Psalm 139 over and over. See if there's anything in me that needs to be removed. But, but we don't like to think of ourselves like this. We like to think of ourselves maybe as the broken person who needs a healing, but we definitely don't like to think of ourselves as the one who's stopping the one from coming and getting the healing, right? And so I want to encourage you this morning, check your heart just for a minute. Because the power of the Lord is here to heal all, Pharisees included, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, Sadducees included, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and brokenness included, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And something I want to address right here, the people were bringing a paralytic on a mat and who was literally physically paralyzed, but the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't realize they were the ones spiritually paralyzed. What, what, What are you spiritually paralyzed about? That is not making you and giving you the ability to walk into the place who has ultimate authority, and that is Jesus, to heal every part of brokenness in any part of your life. And I want to challenge you this morning, as we begin to walk out this message, you may have a theology about what the Bible says, but before today is done, I want you to have an authority about what the Bible says, so when you leave here, your life has been flipped right side up, but you leave out of this house and go to your house and flip your house right side up. Amen? And we leave here and we go flip our community right side up. Amen. Yeah, give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Because if what God flips in here doesn't translate to the population out there, it does, it does no good to deliver it in here. What God delivers in here is not meant to stay in here. It's meant to go out there and flip the world right side up. It's to flip the things that are not of God to make them godly. And so you want to know um, the, the craziest thing about this. As they brought the man, the paralyzed man in, Jesus was addressing an, a religious spirit with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And you want to know the quickest way to find out if there is a religious spirit in the house. It's by saying, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Because religion, as always says, how can you forgive when they got to do this, 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 and this to make it right? Jesus said, man, your sins are forgiven. No questions asked. But the man was in need of a healing, but Jesus was addressing the sin issue. He said, your sins are forgiven. I don't know what that man did. I don't believe Jesus was addressing the sin are forgiven issue because of that man. I believe he was addressing it because of the religion sitting in front of him. And the religion that was in front of him was stopping the man who needed a touch from him. And the man who needed a touch from him couldn't get to him because of the religion in front of him. So he was going to begin to address the religious spirit in the house and say, man, your sins are forgiven. And immediately the religious spirit on the Pharisees sprang up and said, blasphemy. You can't do that. He doesn't deserve forgiveness. John, can can I pick on you right quick? You you can stay right there. This is John. And John, you're forgiven. 
Now, many of you don't even realize that a religious spirit is plaguing you. But many of you, if I were to walk up to anybody on the street and say, your sin are forgiven, if your first thought is, wow, I wonder what he did so wrong that he's having to be forgiven of publicly. I'm telling you, if your mind automatically goes there, you're dealing with a religion spirit and you don't even know it. See, well, I wonder why John and Lisa are on the front row this morning and they're not sitting over here in section four on the third row where they normally sit. They're on the front row. Something must be really bad in their life if Joel's publicly forgiving them from the platform. Maybe there's nothing wrong in their life. Maybe they just wanted to be closer to the anointing. Maybe they just wanted to be closer to ain't no grave gonna hold them back. Maybe they just wanted to sit on the front row because they didn't have responsibilities this week. And if I say you're forgiven, maybe that's just a blessing that I'm sending your way. But in the house, if you got a religious spirit, you're like, well, I wonder what he did so wrong. I wonder what marriage problems they're having. And they're elders in the church. Oh, right? So we've got to get past this religious spirit. And with this, understand what I'm addressing today. I'm addressing the spirit of religion that rests on this northeast Texas area. I'm not, I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip. I'm just serving notice that in this house, in this place, where the Spirit of God is going to move, that we're not going to tolerate religious judgmental spirits. We're going to usher in the Holy Spirit for healing, deliverance, and people being set free. And so this is like when Jesus was talking to Peter and he said, get thee behind me, Satan. He wasn't talking to Peter. He was talking to the power that was driving Peter. I'm talking to the power that is, is plaguing most churches. And I'm just serving it. Notice that the spirit of almighty God is moving in this place. And we're not going to deal with the religion spirit. We're going to deal with the spirit of love. We're going to deal with the spirit of forgiveness. We're going to deal with the spirit of setting people free. We're going to deal with the Holy Spirit of God that will lead and guide us in all truth. And we're going to watch the power of God move because we got to get flipped so we can go do some flipping come on so when jesus was talking and he said man your sins are forgiven the pharisees didn't even realize the power that they were operating under but they started saying you can't do that excuse me he's the son of god he can do what he wants but notice why Jesus addressed it the way he addressed it. Then he goes back and he says, um, which is easier to say? Man, your sins are forgiven you, or take your bed and get up and walk. So now he's addressing the, the shortcoming of the man. The area where he couldn't do something. The area of which is literally, I want you to get a redefining of what sin is. Okay? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Anything in your life that is falling short of the glory of God is classified as, as sin then, right? And so I want you to find where your life is falling short of because only Jesus can do what uh, only Jesus can do something and Jesus doesn't just want to fill in the gap that's missing. He wants to give you a whole new bridge to walk on. See, Jesus didn't come to fill the spots that are missing in your life. He came to give you a whole new heart. Jesus didn't just come to fill the gaps in your heart. He came to create a brand new one. There's a reason he said, I want to turn this heart of stone into a heart of flesh because a heart of stone can still shatter and break. A heart of flesh may get hurt, but it can be forgiven and healed. And so Jesus, first thing he wants to do is flip your heart. And he wants to flip it from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. But in flipping it to a heart of flesh, he didn't come to fill the gaps of your shortcoming. He came to create a whole new way to the Father. 
And we got to begin to understand Jesus wants to create a whole new way to the Father. So sin is not just when you slip up and say a cuss word. Come on. Yes, that is sin, and you've fallen short. But any area of your life that is not walking in the fullness is falling short of his glory. The Bible says we're all there. And so we all are in the same boat. We all need the same Jesus to only flip upright what only Jesus can do. And so with this, the Pharisees were sitting there and he said, man, your sins are forgiving you. And so what sin or what area of your life that is falling short is paralyzing you from getting to the power and the presence of God? Listen, we all got them are paralyzing us and that's why i love that song ain't no grave some of you it's shame well if they really knew what i would do or they, if they really knew what happened we don't really care what happened i mean we we care it doesn't really matter what i'll, I'll phrase it gently i do care what happened it doesn't matter what happened though we do care but it doesn't matter because we know the one who can fix the brokenness of any situation what is paralyzing your life and if it's paralyzing your life, the answer to it is what Jesus said, and it's called forgiveness. Some of you need to forgive the spouse sitting next to you. Some of you need to forgive the spouse that's not sitting next to you because they left you two years ago. And your heart is still broken, but because you have not let forgiveness in... You've tried to put a band-aid of religion on it by coming to church and being in the presence of God, but the band-aid of religion is not going to heal the brokenness. Only forgiveness will. Some of you need to forgive the reason you're at this church because you left a bad church situation in a bad way from another place, and you need to just say, I forgive it. I let it go. See, the actual definition of forgiveness is not saying, I'm wrong, you were right. That's not the actual definition of forgiveness. The actual illustration of forgiveness is this. It's when you have a boat tied to a post sitting in a stream of water, and it can't go anywhere because it's tied down. Forgiveness says, I'm untying it and just letting it go. I'm releasing it. I'm releasing the hurt from the past church, and I'm letting it go. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be free from it. What good does it do to you to hold on to the rope of a boat that's sitting in water? Let it go so you can go. Some of you need forgiveness or releasing of a toxic, toxic environment that you're involved in. Some of you have friends that are toxic and you need to stop hanging out with them so much. And I'm not telling you to become pharisaical holy police either. I'm telling you, release in your life what is holding you back from getting to the presence of the authority that can change your life. Release it. Let it go. And so when you begin to release what is paralyzing you and holding you back from the authority that can heal you, then you're free to go to the authority that can heal you. The answer to most of our issues in the, in, in, in the world of following Christ is this. It's I must learn how to forgive and release and let things go because if I don't, it's going to become a bondage and a stronghold in my life for a certain time period until I get freedom from it. And there's a lot of things that forgiveness will automatically set you free from that you don't got to go to a freedom session. One of the first things we teach is, all right, who do we need to forgive? Who's the first person that comes here? Can, can we do a quick exercise? I'm just way off track anyway, so... 
So I said, get the notes and go do it. Can we do a quick exercise on forgiveness? I'm going to count to three, and the first person that pops into your head, I want you to forgive them. Well, I don't even know, if, I don't even know why I would have to forgive. It doesn't matter. You just got to release it, let it go. Well, see, we're already fighting the religion of it. Well, why should I have to forgive them? I don't even know what I did or what they did. I don't even, what does it matter? Let it go. I mean, Medea's got a great video on it, man. I'm telling you, she does. Let them go. Let it go. All right, so ready? When I say three, the first person that pops in, somebody's going to pop into your head. And when that person does, just say, in the name of Jesus, I forgive them and release them. Watch how much freedom begins to take place. And the first time I went to a freedom session, guys, I'm just going to tell you my story. I went to a freedom session, and the first time I went, we spent an hour and 20 minutes. And the guy was even getting irritated who was leading me in my session. He's like, is there another person? I don't know. And I would name another person. An hour and 20 minutes, I was having to forgive. and re- I'm your pastor, and I was having to spend an hour and 20 minutes forgiving and releasing and letting go. I'm telling you, forgiveness is the most freeing thing you'll ever do. And listen, I go to freedom sessions once a quarter, okay? And I'm your pastor. And I'm telling you, if you don't go to freedom sessions and begin to have people help you walk out of a situation, you're missing out on some powerful experiences in life. Because I'm, I'm not too proud and too holy and too pharisaical to say, I, I, I don't need this help. No, I need help. The reason freedom is in our church is because your pastor needs it. Come on. I won't be ugly and say y'all are hard to deal with sometimes, but I mean, I'm... <laughs> But I get hurt just like y'all get hurt. And the thing about it is, I don't want to preach up here with an unholy anointing of hurt being blasted out in my message. I want freedom coming out in my message. And so I'm going to freedom sessions once a quarter. And I love it. It's one of my favorite days of the quarter. Why? Because I know God's going to move me closer to his glory. I know I'm going to step more into his power. So, So I've given you enough time to talk yourself out of this. So when I say three... Just and dude, I'll do this driving down the road. Somebody will pop into my head, and I'll say, "God, what's that?" He's like, "Just forgive me and let it go." And well, I don't even go. I used to say, "Well, what happened? What did it?" Do? I, like, I don't even worry about that no more. Right? I just let it go. Right? So on the count of three, here we go. First person that pops in your head. One, two, three. Boom! Everybody's got somebody. Now here's what you say: In the name of Jesus, I forgive it, I release it, and I let it go. Whoo, come on now. Come on, I just. Now, some of y'all need to go spend another hour and 20 minutes, just like your pastor did. Just forgive them and let them go. I mean, I don't know why kids were popping up from elementary school. But I forgave them and let them go, and I hope it released them too to do the call and destiny of God on their life. Forgiveness is the ultimate way to address the spirit of religion that we don't even know is plaguing us sometimes. But when we'll forgive and release and let it go, God will begin to tr- flip a stony heart to a heart of flesh and begin to do a healing in your life. And some of you, uh, 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 organization will pop into your head. A church will pop into your head. And you need to say, I forgive it, I release it, and I let it go. And you wonder why I keep saying this, because every time I say it, I experience right now, I just feel it lifting in, in the house. I just feel it setting some people free in the house. And there are some people who are like, I still ain't buying into this. That's fine. Go to a freedom session. I'm telling you guys, God wants to do something so great with your life. He wants to flip it 
But on any good flip, the first thing you got to do is you got to remove the old stuff before he can put in the new stuff. And he's trying to get you to release some old things in your life. When you're remodeling a bathroom, you got to pull out the old vanity before you can put in the new uh, sinks and everything like that. And listen to what I just said. I said it very intentionally. Some of you in your life, you got to pull out your old vanity so God can get rid of it and begin to walk in a new humility so God can replace it. Okay? We've got to get rid of our own vanity. Our own ability to approach God without Jesus is what that means. And that's strong. Because some of us think we have this uncandid ability to approach God without Jesus anymore. And we've got to get back to who we actually are and know that we cannot do anything without Jesus, without the shed blood of Jesus, without recognizing the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension of where he's seated right now for us. And we've got to get rid of our vanity and take his humility and begin to walk people into freedom. All right. I told you I wasn't going to finish this message. And I'm okay not finishing it. In your life, God wants to move in such an amazing way. And so I'm going to ask this question. And at altar call here in just the next 10 minutes, I want you to respond. Who or what is standing in the way of your miracle? Who or what? What toxic experience in your life is still standing in the way of your miracle? Because it's paralyzed you that you don't want to get out of the well, I'm afraid to stand in front of a bunch of people. That's why we move the altar workers to the sides and around the back so you're not standing in front of anybody. In fact, you're going to a private place where you can get ministry and people can help you walk into freedom. So who or what is standing in the way of your miracle? And it's maybe somebody you need to forgive. It may be a bad church experience. It may be a toxic environment. So here's where the flip happens. In Luke, 5, chapter, Luke chapter 5, verse 18, and it said, And behold, some men, hey, this is the first group life, Four men got together on behalf of a friend. Come on, that's the first group life. Four men got together on behalf of a friend who couldn't get to the authority that he needed on his own. When is the last time you did what you could do in your natural authority to bring somebody to before the actual authority that you didn't have? And let me explain what I'm saying by this. When is the last time you did something in the natural to bring somebody before Jesus because you didn't have what it took to fix their need. When is the last time you invited somebody to the church? I'll confess my sin again to you. I didn't invite somebody to church this week. I usually do every week. I, I, I'm trying to invite somebody to church. Well, why would I do that? Well, if I expect you guys to do it, why wouldn't I expect myself to do it? Number one. But I didn't invite somebody to church this week. I didn't do what was in my own natural authority to bring somebody before the ultimate authority. And listen, we can spend money on billboards. We can spend money on podcasts. We can spend money on streaming this thing live around the world. We can spend money on advertising and sending out flyers and promoting the name of the church and all this other stuff. But listen, 78% of people come to church because they were personally invited by a friend in their own natural authority. You have the ability to bring somebody before the ultimate authority to get them to their healer. These men, some men... Some men, it doesn't even say who they are. They didn't have a title. They didn't have a, a, a degree. They weren't a Pharisee. They weren't a Sadducee. They weren't a Levite. Listen, the Levites are the one who should have been carrying the man before the authority. They, they, they were the priests of God. 
But the Bible says these were just some men. Just some random men with no title. See, they traded in their vanity for humility. And when they began to walk in humility, they began to have an authority. And they began to see what Jesus saw, a man who was paralyzed and needed to come before the ultimate authority. So in their own natural authority, their ability to walk with their two legs, they picked up a man on his bed and brought him before the ultimate authority to give him a place with the ultimate authority that they didn't possess. And I'm telling you, if you'll start doing what you can in your own natural authority, what he's already given you, he'll promote you to a place uh, when you come before the ultimate authority. Don't get me wrong. When that guy got up and was healed, I believe the other four men who carried him were also endowed with an authority because they did the work of bringing a man before the authority. And I'm going to tell you, if you will do what you can do with your authority to bring somebody before the ultimate authority, Jesus, to take over all the sin, all the sickness, all the disease, if you'll do what's in your natural ability to bring somebody before the authority, he'll begin to transfer your theology into a new authority. If you've got one of these, you already have authority. You have authority to bring somebody before Jesus. You can call anybody on this phone and say, please come to church with me next Sunday. You are using your authority to bring somebody before the authority to gain an authority that you didn't have from the authority. Did you catch all the authority? And I use the word authority like this because authority brings power. Power doesn't bring authority. If you want to walk in the power of God, if you want to walk in the power that Jesus walked in, where blind eyes are open, where people are healed, where broken hearts are mended, where depression leaves when you declare it's gone, if you want to walk in that type of power, power doesn't come, or, 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 or authority doesn't come with power, but power comes with authority. So you've got to come before the authority who has all the authority so you can get your authority, and you only get authority through experience, not theology. And there's some of us who are extremely lacking in experience. Therefore, we walk in very little authority. And I'm challenging you on this. If you want your life to be flipped right side up, use what you already have to flip somebody else's life right side up. You may think it's not, not very much. Jesus doesn't need not very much. He just needs faith. And you just got to have the courage to take one step and faith will carry you the rest of the way but some of you in the house you're lacking courage and so I'm just going to declare a spirit of courage to come upon you you know when Samson went and delivered the, the, the land from the Philistines it took courage it took courage to go out and slay all the Philistines you know when Peter stepped out of the boat it took courage to get out of the boat in your life I'm challenging some of you to develop a heart of courage that says I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to overcome the shame and the fear and everything else. And listen, when you begin to move here in just a minute to get the ministry that you need, I promise you this, ain't nobody looking at you anyway. Right? I mean, I used to always be so concerned. Well, if I go, what will people think? Ain't nobody thinking anything about you. Everybody knows they got their own problems to deal with. We are all in need of the healer. We are all in need of the authority. And I'm going to tell you what's going to combat you from the minute you start, 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 begin to start moving. It's a word that science uses, but it's a word Christians is very foreign to. It's the word called friction. It's the word called friction. Friction is this. It is the force resisting a relative motion. So if the relative motion is you going to a minister to get healing, there's going to be a force resisting it, and it's called friction. 
And Christians don't believe in friction, but you really should believe in friction. Listen, the four men who were carrying their paralyzed man on the mat to Jesus encountered friction. They got to the house and they saw a crowd of people. So they ran into friction, they ran into the crowd, but faith found the stairs to the roof. They got to the roof and there's like, there's no way to get through. So friction was the roof. And so they faith found a shovel and started digging a hole in the roof. And so friction was overcome by faith. Your faith will overcome any opposing force that's coming to get you against you as long as you're moving in the direction of your savior. They were able to overcome all the friction in their way because they were moving towards the Savior who could fix every problem. Come on, this, this is loaded. Friction was the people, but faith found the stairs. Friction was the roof. Faith found a shovel. Friction was the distance between Jesus and the rooftop, and faith found a rope to lower the bed down before the feet of Jesus. And these, some men, are recounted in three of the Gospels for all of eternity for simply overcoming friction. I'm telling you, God's writing a story about you right now. God's writing your testimony right now. And written in your testimony, will it say that he had the chance to overcome friction, but he stood at the seat, holding the chair in front of him, and he wouldn't move. I'm telling you, there's a release on your life right now to move when this altar call happens. What are you going to do with the flip that God's given your life? I'm going to ask everybody to stand. What do you need to flip? Remember why Jesus is going to flip your life right side up is so you can leave and go flip somebody else's life right side up. All you people that God's walking you out of depression this morning, get ready. He's fixing to give you an authority to walk people out of depression. And it's not going to be through a pill bottle. It's not going to be through other things. It's going to be because you, you've now experienced an encounter with God to walk out of it. And so what's your big issue? What's in your heart? What's stopping you from getting to the authority? What's that pharisaical thing that you, that you need to release and let go of? What is it? What's the friction that you're already thinking of in your mind of the reason that you can't get out of the middle of the section that you're in because you got people on both sides of you? I'm telling you, your answer is to kick them. Get out of my way. I'm going to get my healing. I'm going to my authority, the only one who can fix my problem. Actually, really don't kick them. Grab them and take them with you. Start group life. Because you never know, you may be sitting in the middle section right there needing to get out and get a healing, but the person next to you does need, he needs the same thing, but they don't have the courage to move, and you got the courage to move. So when you go to begin to move, say, hey, will you come with me? Because you may be the one bringing them before Jesus, even though you're the one with the need. And so if you'll just begin to move, and you'll grab somebody's hand as you move, you may be the one bringing them to Jesus because they wouldn't have moved. All right, I got to wrap this up. Everybody close your eyes. I don't want anybody looking around. You already experienced one awesome setting free release. What's the one thing hindering you in your spiritual walk right now? You may pray daily. You may read the Bible daily. You may do all these good things right. What's the one thing? Just the one thing. That, God, if I could get this one thing right spiritually, I know it would set me free. I know it. Maybe it's faith. Maybe it is courage. Maybe it is forgiveness. Maybe it is you just need to love on people differently. Maybe it is just being able to walk into uh, work tomorrow with a spirit of joy rather than a spirit of, of depression because of the toxic situation you're in. What is the one thing you want spiritually? And I'm going to tell you in just a minute that it's yours. Go get it. And here's why it's yours. 
Because 2,000 years ago, the Son of God Himself came to this earth and died on a cross for you and for me. And He bled and shed His blood. And with that blood, it was for the forgiveness of all your sins, for all of eternity, for all of mankind. But God saw it fit that He didn't want your sins just forgiven. He wanted to give you a new life instead of a dead life. He wanted to reconnect with you and, and, and get rid of the separation that was between you and Him. So He rose His Son, Jesus Christ, again from the dead. And the Bible says, if you believe that God has raised Jesus Christ again from the dead, you will be born again, a new heart, a new life, and then He wants to bless you with a gift called the Holy Spirit who will be with you as a comforter. He will be with you to help you understand what the truth of God's word is and he wants to change your life. So what's the big issue? The four men saw friction in the people so they found the stairs. Are you going to find a way out of your seat to get to that ministry? Any other altar ministers that are not scheduled today, please go stand by the wall because you're now scheduled today. Any staff members, I would like you guys to go stand and be ready to minister as well. And if you need ministry, go get ministry if you're standing by the wall. Everybody got your issue? Here we go. God, you see the issues. You see where they're at. You see what's stopping them from getting to you. And so now I declare in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, make a way where there is no way. I declare a spirit of courage in the house. I declare a spirit of faith in the house. I declare a spirit of tenacity in the house. I declare a spirit of grit in the house that says, I'm getting to my Jesus. It doesn't matter what's going on. And you get ready to move right now in three, two, one. Go get whatever you need as we worship. Hey, we are so glad that you've joined us here at The Way Bible Church for our online worship service. We never want to end the end of a worship service without you getting the opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, pray this simple prayer with me right now by faith and through the grace of God, you'll come into the kingdom as the son and daughter of the Most High God. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess out loud that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I ask for forgiveness of all my sins. I thank you for washing me white as snow and making today the best day of my life. Today, I declare, is my born-again birthday. I'm a new creation. Old things are gone, and the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I want to say congratulations, thank you, and welcome to the kingdom of God, and welcome to the body of Christ. We're now brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're excited for the next steps in your journey. If you just prayed that prayer, reach out to TWBC at the email address provided below, and watch how we can get in contact with you and help you follow up with this life-changing decision that you've just made. Thank you again for being a part of this online worship service at TWBC, your home away from home.